Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. In today's episode of Technology Forward, we're speaking with Jeremiah Robinson, founder and CEO of Psionic, and Daniel Zerum, senior industrial designer at Fuse Project. Now, Psionic is a technology startup focused on helping people transcend physical limitations. And Fuse Project is a design and innovation firm. Together, these two collaborated on a project, the Vox Ventilator, which was among the top finalists for the COVID-19 challenge. This challenge is the creation of 13 resident physicians, advisors, and several sponsoring organizations who have come together to create lasting solutions to the ventilator supply crisis made infamous by the COVID-19 pandemic. The prototype of the ventilator created using Stratasys 3D printing technology is optimized for a COVID-19 healthcare context and can be assembled in less than four hours. So thank you, Jeremiah and Daniel, for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So tell me a little bit about the Vox ventilator. Describe it for our audience who may not be familiar with us. Um, so the Vox ventilator is a, uh, a small, compact, pneumatically driven ventilator, which mounts to IV poles and uh, is able to be mobile with the patient through, uh, through testing as well as through all of their treatment and you know, provides uh, remote access as well to control the machine. Okay. What were your goals for this design? Our goals were really to, to design a ventilator to help, of course, with the, the COVID pandemic, um, but also to make sure that our ventilator you know, met everything needed for COVID and then some, so that it was not going to become uh, useless after the pandemic was over. We also really wanted to make sure that we were designing this ventilator for the peripheral experiences, not just for the technical in uh, internal components to make this thing very reliable. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we were designing really for the respiratory therapists and the ICU nurses who are interacting with this machine on a daily basis, and that we were designing something adaptable for all different hospital settings um, to you know, some that are overwhelmed with patients as well as some that are underwhelmed, um, but still just don't have enough ventilators. I think if I remember correctly in um, looking at the, at the entry, this is also something that can be used like in third world countries or in other places that may not have highly sophisticated medical equipment. Yeah, our goal with the system was really to create something that was highly flexible and adaptable to the environment that didn't need, you know, a sophisticated hospital environment, could be run off of uh, air tanks if needed, um, could be run on battery powered for places that may not have full continuous power. Um, and that really drove our decisions around the modularity of the design to build off of open source components um, so that it could be built with off-the-shelf components, no PCB boards had to be designed, no operating system software had to be created. And you know, we really set an ambitious goal. We will have a fully form factor ready prototype by the end of the competition, um, which we actually delivered, which was super exciting. 
Okay. Now, did you find any challenges in the design here? Can you go through maybe a couple of them? What were some of the design challenges you might have encountered? Yeah, I'll start and, and let Daniel add on. Um, so <laughs> neither Daniel nor I had particular experience with ventilators beforehand. Um, our company makes bionics to help people with mobility differences achieve greater mobility and independence. And that is a lot about sensing and analyzing data off of a human body and then driving an actuation system. So a closed loop sensor-driven actuation system. Turns out that a ventilator is exactly that. Um, and we had to come up pretty fast on what we were actually looking at in the human body um, and what we were driving into the human body. And we had to do that without the suite of test tools that you would typically start out with in a ventilator. So we were able to acquire those at the very end of the program. Um, and in the nature of it being hardware, we are, um, you have to acquire all of the pieces and components of that design over the course of what amounted to eight weekends of work. And so, you know, you have this pace of um, development that you know, in the software world is pretty easy because you have all the tools, but in the hardware world, we're sourcing you know, solenoids and motors and sensors. And the fact that we were able to pursue a, a number of different parallel paths uh, us to make rapid changes at the end as, as we found um, new challenges within the system of delivering the, the proper amount of pressure and the proper amount of volume into the lungs across the fully featured um, ventilator uh, support set. So it was, it, was a, it was a really challenging but interesting pro uh, problem um, made more difficult by the time constraints that were involved. And, and for, for us, that time constraint was really important, right? If it's, we're dealing with a, a world pandemic, we wouldn't have six months to go develop it. We have to develop it in a very rapid way to address what thankfully wasn't a total lack of resources within the hospital systems and hopefully will not be going forward. But the, the pandemic is still ranging and uh, we want to make sure that this is other, other people can use our design to get this out rapidly. I think to, to add on some of the challenges from a little bit more of the design and strategic uh, thinking perspective that we did, in, especially in round one, you know, one of the, the major difficulties to us was having enough interviews and, you know, really deep immersive research to be able to make the right decisions. And typically in our process, we are, you know, we would be going into hospitals and actually watching respiratory therapists using the ventilators, taking photos, and videos, and, you know, really diving into the way that these machines are used in their environment by the people that use them most. So, of course, we were not able to go do that. And all of the people we wanted to interview were extremely busy. So we were, you know, we, we reached out through our extended network and were able to find a lot of really great um, you know, healthcare employees that, that uh, you know, ICU nurses on the East Coast, the West Coast, respiratory therapists, same thing. And we were able to get a really wide variety of responses and insight into the way that different hospitals are dealing with this pandemic. You know, both high capacity hospitals that have, you know, are full with uh, COVID patients and then some that are not. So, you know, being able to, to, to find the right people as well as, you know, 
having finding time that they could speak to us. They were so busy and, and they were so, so gracious to be able to spend their time speaking with us and our team for, for, you know, an hour or more in some cases to, to really paint the right picture for us to design towards. Okay. So how did 3d printing help throughout the design process? We had a lot of iterations to, to, to make throughout the process. Uh, of course, you know, trial and, and trial of our system happened from day one, actually. Jeremiah started out with a, uh, a baster and squeezing air into a, a pressure sensor. And, you know, after many, many iterations, it, it turned into what it is now. So throughout that whole process, we were 3D printing and testing cherry tubes, which were a major part of our system that allowed for us to mount the pressure sensors directly onto them. Uh, you know, a part that, you know, essentially could not be created rapidly without 3D printing. And so we were making, you know, a wide variety of, of prints to test a lot of these uh, slightly different geometries, how we're mounting things onto it. And, you know, going through a lot of iterations to, to get to the final product. Okay. Jeremiah, did you use any 3D printing through in your yeah, part so we, of the process? We collaborated um, quite closely. Daniel and I actually don't live too far away. So he had the printer, but we had uh, and was producing a lot of our early designs. And then when we would get something where um, the overall form was working on an FDM printer, which is a filament-based printer, we would work with our um, partner uh, over at Stratasys to actually print out uh, on their machines. And that actually was a, a, you talk about the wonder of 3D printing that we could build new components, design new components, build them and test them all within a matter of hours um, and then go and take that same design and reproduce it on, on a higher end printer, on a higher end Stratasys printer and, and uh, keep that iteration going. And so Daniel would often print out um, a new part, uh, drop it off at my house. I would assemble uh, it, test it with, you know, the, the test equipment that we had. We'd discuss it over video. Um, you know, we were, <laughs> we were still remote with some of our mechanical engineer designers who were helping to, to design those parts. And then do it again. And we would sometimes be able to do two or three iterations in a single day of that process. Did you guys deal, um, were the materials that you selected, was that a factor at all? Did that come into play? Or because this was prototyping, you went with just what was convenient? I'd say it was a bit of both, um, you know, in terms of iterating and trying and testing. Um, you know, we were using FDM because it was just very convenient. Um, you know, I had it here and while it was not ideal and we had to chop up some of the pieces to print them and then glue them back together and, you know, there's a lot more sanding involved, you know, is it it a bit more painful, but it got us, or it kept us progressing forward until we were ready for the, the final materials and had that right geometry. I think that, yes, definitely the, the Stratasys printing was, uh, you know, the materials from that were very helpful. Where uh, we have a, a holding tank in our, our original version that, you know, is using a, a multi-material print. So it's printing gaskets directly into the body. And that's, that's absolutely something that's kind of Stratasys uh, specific. And 
Uh, we're, we're, we're hoping to really iterate on that more throughout the uh, development phase for manufacturing. Did anything surprise the two of you about working with 3D printing in this process and surprise you about the use of 3D printing? What did you learn? I think from our side, you know, I've, we've used 3D printing within our business um, of Bionics for actual multiple reasons. I mean, I think a lot of people use 3D printing for the ability to rapidly prototype um, and to iterate on manufacturing ability and design. We also use it because of its ability to adapt to custom solutions for individual human bodies. Um, and so what was, I mean, I think the, our experience with those process, um, both Daniel's and I's experience with that process was um, super helpful and that like we didn't have to learn. Um, but one of the things that, you know, did surprise me is as you know, I had, I didn't actually didn't have any experience with some of these higher end machines with some of the multi uh, material printing and just to see how fast this industry is moving and what it will mean for full stack solutions the full stack where you're building hardware, mechanical software uh, and experiences. It, it's a game changer and I, I'm so excited with the speed. I'm so excited with the, the, the pace at which the industry is evolving. And I really do think it will allow engineers and designers to tackle problems that they never were able to before um, at, a, at, a, at a price point that really changes the dynamics of how these devices get built. Daniel, do you want to make a comment? Um, I, I, I agree with everything that uh, Jeremiah <laughs> said, you know I mean? We didn't run into as many surprises uh, because we were very familiar with the machines. However, uh, some of the materials that Stratasys was able to provide were, uh, you know, really exciting to get to, to try and test out. And I think that's something that no one on the team really has had experience with yet, some of those specific details. But um, it was more uh, exciting than surprising, I would say. Okay. Yeah, it really opens the brain up to the possibilities of what can be done with additive manufacturing um, and and multi-materials, like printing metal and printing uh, mixed rubber and plastic. And, and, you know, soon we'll be printing proteins and, and it's, it's all wondrous. <laughs> now, normally uh, a question that I would ask at this point is now that you've done the design, now that you've created the Vox ventilator, if you could go back, would you do anything differently? But it sounds like that was addressed throughout the process. Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's one very definitive thing that I would have changed and it would have been to procure like legitimate ventilator test equipment earlier. Okay. Um, you know, we, the, the contest organizers were able to procure for us um, a, a, a test lung as well as some um, digital test equipment from AD Instruments. And those were hugely valuable and we got them very late in the process. We had to change a bunch of design as we got that test equipment in. Um, luckily we had been planning for that eventuality, but I could do it all over again. I would have gotten that in from day one. So now what is next for the Vox ventilator? Um, is this something that you're gonna produce? So. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Daniel. So at this point, um, the the competition uh, organizers have 
procured a manufacturer in South Africa, and they're you know reviewing our uh, files and overall system, and you know preparing to manufacture it. So we're uh, we're kind of in a, a little bit of a lull right now, waiting for them to finish their you know review of everything, and then we'll be working with them to make the necessary modifications for mass production. And then is this something that's going to be sold into hospitals or uh, maybe even the military for? So, yeah, yeah. So that's, um, that's something that's still in the works right now is figuring out, you know, the, where exactly it's going. I know that, you know, the, the, the pilot for the uh, launch for this product is going to be in Africa. Um, it's still a little bit unclear which specific countries and hospitals, uh, but that's, that's where it's going to start. And then, you know, absolutely, there, there are a lot of really valuable uses uh, for the military, for a lot of different countries, actually, and, you know, even for the UN, for, for, for a lot of different um, people that are in, you know, in different countries that, that, that need this medical equipment for kind of more uh, impromptu stations to help treat patients. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's an important question because I think when we started this project, we it was unclear if the world would need these low-cost, rapidly reproducible ventilators. I would say it's still unclear. I, as I said before, I really hope that the world doesn't need them. But if we were at this point and we look back and, and we could have done something and didn't do it, I think we would feel a real sense of uh, regret if the world does end up needing that. And we've had people reach out from us from a number of different places. Um, uh, some, because we did put our designs into the open source community as a okay. reference design that people can look at, we have had people now expressing interest, uh, some folks from Southeast Asia, um, from South America, and of course, what Daniel mentioned in, in West Africa. And our goal is not, was not to you know, make money with this project, it was to provide um, some uh, help in the overall crisis. So, you know, we're, we're supporting the efforts of others to bring that to market. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can to make sure that if it's needed, that we will be there to help. Well, at least the CAD files are available. So it's, and fortunately we're shifting over into digital manufacturing so that this is something that if it's ever needed, the design has been done. Absolutely. Yeah, both both the both the CAD files as well as the source code and all of the test um, protocols are are all available. Yeah. Do you, either of you want to make any final comments about this experience? I mean, for me, one of the things that I walk away and feel um, I'm very proud of what can be done um, by by people with great talents when faced with this external crisis to come together you know no one got paid everybody worked super hard to build something that you know if you at the start when we when daniel asked me if uh <laughs> we could help uh put together a fully functional ventilator in, over the course of eight weekends i was like wow that's just really impossible but the but it's a real story of innovation in the face of a crisis. And, um, you know, I, I think in this time, especially what I, when faced with something like this in the world, 
knowing that that is possible, knowing that people can come together, collaborate and innovate for others, um, I just think is, is just a really important learning for, for us and for everybody. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. You know, it was, uh, it was pretty remarkable to get to work with the group that, you know, we assembled, you know, part, partially in, uh, in Seattle and San Francisco and the Bay Area. Uh, you know, everyone, this was, this all started at the very beginning of working from home. So mm-hmm. on top of everybody else's work and adjusting to how to work from home effectively, you know, everyone really on the team stepped up because they really cared and wanted to make sure that we were doing something to, to help out. You know, I think a lot of designers and engineers alike are, you know, really very much so want to take action to, to, to make something to help solve uh, the current problems right, you know, going on. And uh, this was just a prime example of how so many people wanted to do that so badly and give it their all that we were able to accomplish a, a lot in a short amount of time uh, on top of our day jobs, which was, uh, you know, I, I feel very grateful to, to have gotten to work with so many people that that were like that, it, it only embeds that. It's it's very empowering, I guess. You know, after to to see what really can be done with a a group of people that really want to do a lot. Well, thank you both for joining me today. 